Hello, this is Dr. Ed Hill with This Week in the Word, where we learn more about the Word of God and we grow in our walk with Christ. I'm glad you're with us today. We're in a series called Walking with Christ through the Gospel of Mark. Let's get right to it. Let's go to the Gospel of Mark, which is in the last half of the Bible. In the New Testament, it is the second book in the New Testament. So if you find the Gospel of Matthew, uh, turn uh, right, keep turning right, and the next book is the Gospel of Mark. We're in chapter 4. We're calling this today, Who is this Jesus? Mark 4 and we're going to uh, read through, and I hope you're reading with us so that you can see what the Bible says and you can distinguish between what the verses say and comments that I may make. Mark 4, verse 1. We're going to see as we look at Mark 4 that Jesus Christ is our great teacher, but he's so much more than just a great teacher. He is our God and Savior. Mark 4, verse 1. And he began again to teach by the seaside, and there was gathered unto him a great multitude, so that he entered into a ship and sat in the sea. And the whole multitude was by the sea on the land. And he taught them many things by parables, and said unto them in his doctrine, Hearken, behold, there went out a sower to sow. And it came to pass, as he sowed, some fell by the wayside, and the fowls of the air came and devoured it up. And some fell on stony ground, where it had not much earth, and immediately it sprang up, because it had no depth of earth. But when the sun was up, it was scorched, and because it had no root, it withered away. And some fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it, and it yielded no fruit. And the other fell on good ground, and did yield fruit that sprang up and increased, and brought forth some thirty, some sixty, or in some sixty, and some an hundred. And he said unto them, He that hath ears to hear, let him hear. And when he was alone, they that were about him with the twelve asked of him the parable. So we see that Jesus taught in parables. A parable is where you compare two things side by side. It's, it's chosen as a a form to explain truth that um, for those who, who really think about it, it will help them see the truth. But those who um, are not really serious, not putting forth any effort, not even listening hard, they hear a great story, but it doesn't impact them. It doesn't make any sense to them, really, any difference in their lives. Well, here we see that Jesus gives the story of the uh, parable of the sower. And we know from the other Gospels that Jesus said that he is, the Son of Man is the sower. So the seed is the Word of God, as we're going to see. But we see that 
when Jesus is alone with not only just the disciples, but some number of others who were were hangers around, who wanted to know more and understand more. They were really serious. And they were asking him, what does this parable mean? What is the point of it? They knew that it meant something, but they um, they didn't fully understand it at all, really at all. Now, they get an A plus because they pursue Jesus to know him better and understand him more. The rest of the crowds heard a great story and they said, man, that Jesus, he sure tells great stories. He preaches great sermons. And then they went on about their business. It made little to no impact on them. But these want to know more. And I'm going to ask you, as you're a listener today, are you, would you say that you're among the crowd that hears the word of God? It sounds great. Great, great sermon preacher, you know, and you go out to Sunday lunch and forget what the message is even about. It You don't apply it to your life at all. There's no no uh, thinking about it in quiet, deep moments where God speaks to you about what you heard and then you apply it. Are, are you kind of like that where, you know, you, you like good teaching and preaching, but, you know, it doesn't really have any effect on you? I mean, come on, Ed. Or are you like in verse 9 where these know that Jesus was getting at something and they needed his help to understand it better? I hope you're like those disciples and those about the disciples. And by the way, we often think of Jesus as surrounded by the 12 whom he had chosen to be the apostles, but around them was a larger number that totaled, you know, including them, Uh, about 70 people. And then, you know, we go through the book of Acts and we see it was a larger and larger number as it went forward. But there's a lot of people around Christ right now and they're saying, what what did that story mean? What are we to get out of that? So, um, So verse 10, when he was alone, they that were about him with the 12 asked of him the parable. So I think they're all saying, what does it mean? What does it mean? Tell us. Verse 11, and he said unto them, unto you it is given to know the mystery of the kingdom of God. Now, a mystery is something that you can't understand unless it's revealed to you. So he says, you, you want to know, and I'm going to reveal it to you about the kingdom of God. So anyway, back to verse 11, but unto them that are without, all these things are done in parables, And he quotes the prophet Isaiah here in verse 12, that seeing they may see and not perceive, and hearing they may hear and not understand, lest at any time they should be converted and their sins should be forgiven them. So what it amounts to here basically, I'm trying to make this just as simple as I can. If somebody's determined not to listen, God says, hey, have it your way, okay? I mean, that's pretty clear. Yeah, you heard a great story, but you don't really want to hear it and do anything about it. So yeah, you can hear the story, but you'll never get it and you'll never repent. But those that want to go deeper with Jesus and know the truth, like those around him in verse uh, 10, those are the ones that it's explained to so that it can have the impact the Lord wishes. So verse 13, And he said unto them, 
Know ye not this parable? And how then will ye know all parables? So he's even going to explain this to us so that we not only understand the parable and the point that he made, but it gives us a, a, a framework, a key, a, like a decoder ring, <laughs> so to speak, so that we can, we can become skilled in, in interpreting not just this parable, but all of his parables and the truths of Scripture. So, verse 14, he, he breaks it down for them. The sower soweth the Word. So that's the Bible, the Word of God. And these are they by the wayside where the word is sown, but when they have heard, Satan cometh immediately and taketh away the word that was sown in their hearts. That kind of, uh, I think, describes a lot of people in the crowd that had just walked, walked away from Jesus and gone on about their business. They heard it. Satan says, well, we can't let them hear that. And he comes and he uh, distracts them and misdirects them and they forget all about it. You know, no harm, no foul, so to speak, uh, as Satan would look at it. So uh, the people said, hey, that was a great story, but, you know, it has no no punch to them. And Satan basically, he just takes that seed out of their heart. It never even takes any root. And I say most people are like this. Verse 16. And these are they likewise which are sown on stony ground, who, when they have heard the word, immediately receive it with gladness. I've seen people do that. I've seen them apparently get saved. They're so changed and excited. It's overwhelming. It's, it's pretty neat to see, actually. But then I've watched some of them, and it's not how high somebody jumps, but how straight they walk when they come down. So uh, that's an old saying, by the way. Verse 17, though, uh, that you know they, they receive the word with gladness, right? So they're really happy. They're, they're saved. Oh, this is great. Verse, verse 17, and have no root in themselves, and so endure but for a time. Um, in Palestine, in Israel, there's a lot of soil, but right beneath it, I mean immediately beneath it, it's like a... a limestone rock like a ledge underneath it and so the roots can't grow through that rock so it springs up it looks great on the surface sun comes out and that's the end of that and they have no root in themselves and so endure but for a time afterward when affliction or persecution ariseth for the word's sake immediately they are offended you know it causes them to stumble and and they, they say i can't handle this and so they they abandon their profession of faith and uh, even the fbi couldn't find them today all right verse 18 and these are they which are sown among thorns such as hear the word and the care there's three things we'll see here and the cares of this world that's number one and the deceitfulness of riches did you know riches can deceive you and trick you one of the ways it does it is you no know, if you want more and if you want like to be rich you'll never be rich so to speak because you'll always want more so the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches and a third one and the lust of other things entering in choke the word and it becometh unfruitful now sometimes when people interpret this they say so you see there's 
you know, like four kinds of people, uh, four kinds of Christians, and then some don't bear fruit and all this stuff. You know what? Especially, especially on this verse here, where it says that, uh, it, it, all these three things, they choke the word and it becometh unfruitful. They say, well, this is a Christian who bears no fruit. Maybe. Here's what I think. I think Jesus is saying, hey, you know, 25% return is is really good. That's about all you can expect because people are like they are. Wow. I, I, and by the way, if you're saying, well, I, I don't, I'm not really, really serious about Jesus. You know, I go to church and all that, but I don't let it get in the way of my life. But, you know, um, but I think I'm kind of like this one. Yeah, I've heard the word. I'm just not bearing fruit. You know, one of these days I'm going to get with it. Hey, I got a news flash for you. I can't tell you whether you're saved or not, but if you're hanging your salvation on what you just told me, I wouldn't do that. I, I would go ahead and assume, well, you've probably never even been saved. Pastor Ed, that's so blunt and brutal. I would rather tell you that right now and it bother you and you can't sleep tonight and you get right with Christ and get saved for real than for me to tell you, oh, you're okay, you know, you just need to get with it and and you end up in hell for eternity. There it is. Now, let's go to the good soil. By the way, the, a, a good way to talk about this parable is parable of the soils because there's the seed. There's nothing wrong with the seed, the Word of God. It's where it falls. What's, what, that, what is that person? What is their heart like? All right, look in verse um, 20. And these are they which are sown on good ground, such as hear the Word and receive it. And bring forth fruit, some thirtyfold, some sixty, and some in hundred. So the good soil is the person who who hears the word, they take it to heart, it bothers them, they think about it, it begins to impact their life. They're thirsty and hungry for God and and Christ does a, a miraculous change in their life. They are born again. Their life changes, their destiny changes. And he says, this is the good soil. And they don't even all produce the same amount of fruit, but they do produce fruit. You know why? They're alive. They're not still dead in their trespasses and sins like the others that we've seen before this. Um, You know, you may not be a Billy Graham, but you can be the best person you can be in the power of Christ. And God is totally happy with that because you're being who he created you to be and that's the kind of person we want to be that's what i want to be anyway i hope you're the same verse 21 and he said unto them is a candle brought to be put under a bushel or under a bed and not to be set on a candlestick well you know the answer is well of course not the reason you bring a candle in is so things can be known and illuminated and seen. And that's the point of of what he's teaching here. Verse 22, For there is nothing hid which shall not be manifested, neither was anything kept secret, but that it should come abroad. 
If any man have ears to hear, let him hear. And I would paraphrase this this way. Sort of like, hey, people, listen up. Um, Sort of like, now hear this, all hands on deck. Listen to what I'm about to tell you. This is an urgent message. All, All of those things, I think, convey what he says here in verse um, uh, 23. If any man have ears to hear, let him hear. Now hear this, so to speak. And he said unto them, what is it that he wants all of us to hear and get this down? It's in verse 24. And he said unto them, take Heed what ye hear. Take heed what ye hear. With what measure ye meet, it shall be measured to you. And unto you that hear shall more be given. For he that hath to him shall be given. And he that hath not from him shall be taken even that which he hath. Oh man, let that sink in, guys and gals. Jesus is saying here, I'm not playing. When you hear the word of God, it should go deep into your heart and it, it through the power of the Spirit, responding to the word, it should produce life change in you. And he says, when this happens and you're really, really encountering me and my word and me living in you, I'm going to give you more because you are doing something with what you're being given now. You're going to get more. He said, but the people that think they're hearing, think they have it, but they're just kind of faking it and going with the flow and they're not really serious. And personally, I think probably not even saved. He says what they even think they have, they're going to lose that. Christian truth from the Word of God is, is um, man, it's like, it's like, like uranium. It's like something radioactive. You better be careful how you handle it. You cannot have the attitude if you're saved, like, ah, oh, well, you know, when I get around to it, I'm going to get serious. Yeah, I know I haven't read my Bible in like three months. Eh, who cares? I, I've been busy. Hey, that ought to be telling you you need to get saved. You you either need to get saved or you need to do some serious soul searching about who you are and where you're headed for time and eternity. Say, Ed, you are being so hard here. Hey, this is this game is for all the stakes. We're talking about eternity here, your soul. Wow. Verse 26. And he said, So is the kingdom of God, as if a man should cast seed into the ground, and should sleep and rise night and day, and the seed should spring up and grow, he knoweth not how. For the earth bringeth forth fruit of herself, first the blade, then the ear, and after that the full corn in the ear. But when the fruit is brought forth, immediately he putteth in the sickle, because the harvest is come. So the kingdom here, the the reign of God, 
which can be in our hearts. It should be in our hearts right now. But there is an actual kingdom and reign of God coming to this earth. And all those people who are pro-abortion, who are celebrating this week in New York, that you can kill a baby even up on the day it's born. And I'm picking that out because it's in the news right now. All the people who rejoice in lying and opposing truth. Hey, I tell you what. There's a king coming, and you're not going to be part of his kingdom unless you repent and turn to Christ. And I hope you do. But if you don't, he's not going to delay his kingdom because you oppose it. You will be history. Because Christ is coming back. I don't know when, but when he comes back, he's not coming back to take sides. He's coming back to take over. He is the king. And the kingdom here... You know, the, this farmer doesn't even know how the seed grows. The kingdom of God is so powerful that when the word is planted, it's going to grow, and one day there's going to be a harvest and a reckoning. And it doesn't matter if this farmer gets up day and night and watches it and tries to see it grow. He doesn't know how it works. It just, the kingdom of God is unstoppable. And I hope today you are a part of the kingdom of God. Oh, man. And then verse 30, and he said, Where unto shall we liken the kingdom of God? So he approaches it a different way. Or, or with what comparison shall we compare it? Uh, it is like a grain of mustard seed, which when it is sown in the earth is less than all the seeds that be in the earth. I mean, it's tiny doesn't look like much. Christ came born as a, a baby in a, a, a manger, grows up almost, you know, virtually unnoticed, unrecognized. He has his earthly ministry. He's crucified, buried, and rises again the third day. A, a very small beginning, but the church exploded on the world. And now... There are Christians on every continent in the world, every country. The Bible says every tongue and tribe and nation and so forth will be represented in heaven. There are millions, hundreds of millions of people who truly believe in Jesus Christ. This kingdom is unstoppable. I read the end of the book, my friend. We win, baby. Hang in there, stay the course, you're on the winning team, even if it doesn't look like it right now. Oh man, let's let's go back. I'm getting excited here. <laughs> let's go back to uh um uh, uh let's see what 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 we were looking at there. Verse thirty two, but when it is sown it groweth up and becometh greater than all herbs and shooteth out great branches so that the fowls of the air may lodge under the shadow of it. Wow, there's one story of a traveler in this part of the world that said he found such a mustard plant and it was taller than his horse and indeed birds uh you know were in the little branches of that uh great bush that had grown up and ate the seeds beneath it he says that's how my kingdom is it's explosive it looks like it has a small nondescript beginning wait till it's fully grown wow i hope you're on that winning side 
And you can come there today through Christ. Repent of your sin. Turn to Jesus Christ in utter desperation to be your Savior and Lord. And then do a serious walk with Him and let Him revolutionize your life. You'll never be the same. It's going to be great. All right, so verse 33, And with many such parables spake he the word unto them as they were able to hear it. But without a parable spake he not unto them. And when they were alone, he expounded all things to his disciples. And the same day, when the even was come, he saith unto them, and notice he brings up what's going to happen, he saith unto them, let us pass over unto the other side. And when they had sent away the multitude, they took him even as he was in the ship. And there were also with him other little ships. And there arose a great storm of wind, and the waves beat into the ship so that it was now full. This area of the world, the Sea of Galilee, is like a, a bowl with mountains around it, and fierce winds come through these uh, canyons and instantly descend on a calm sea of Galilee and can turn it into a raging storm. And uh, think about this, some of those disciples, at least four of them, were very familiar with all this and wouldn't have been troubled by some small storm because they'd been through that before. They fished on the Sea of Galilee. Now, Matthew and, and the others who were not fishermen were probably way more scared than they were. But uh, this storm comes. Now, it is a serious thing when there's more water in your boat. <laughs> there's as much water in your boat as there is outside the boat. That's not a good thing in a storm. So they're in a, a very serious situation here. And there arose a great storm of wind, and the waves beat into the ship, so it was now full. And he, talking about Jesus, was in the hinder part of the ship, asleep on a pillow. Wow, Jesus, the perfect God-man, fully God, fully man. After a full day of ministry and the schedule he's been on here already in Mark 1 through 4, he's, he's sleeping in this storm. And they awake him and say unto him, Master, carest thou not that we perish? And that was a we say many things sometimes when we go through things that are just silly. Of course, he cares about us. But this is just, this is from their heart. It's how they felt. They were frightened. And we can all identify with that. And he arose and rebuked the wind and said unto the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased. And there was a great calm. And he said unto them, why are ye so fearful? How is it that ye have no faith? And they feared exceedingly and said one to another, What manner of man is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? I heard a revival conference speaker say once, there's only one thing more frightening than the storm outside your boat, and that's God inside your boat. When you finally meet Christ, 
in all of His awesomeness. It humbles you down. And these disciples who already knew Him pretty well thought we have no idea who we're dealing with here. It is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. They are facing God right in front of them, just just as Isaiah had seen God in the temple. Just like Isaiah was undone, they became undone. Who is this Jesus? He is not just our great teacher. He is our great God and Savior. My wish for you today, my friends, is that you would have this type of encounter with the real Jesus Christ. You will be saved if you're not yet saved. Your life will be transformed. If you're already a Christian, you will be renewed and re-empowered in your walk and your witness for Christ. I thank you for listening today. Invite others to listen to This Week in the Word at dredhill.podbean.com. And remember that that DR has no period after it. It's just D-R-E-D-H-I-L-L dot podbean dot com. The app is free. It's free to listen. Tell everybody you know because many, many people who believe they're saved are not and they need to meet this Jesus Christ. Thank you for listening. God bless and have a wonderful day in the Lord. Mm-hmm.